Welcome to the Voo Church Podcast. What lens are you looking through? The lens of pain or the lens of the cross? As we look to Jesus, we learn his rhythms of forgiveness. Today, Pastor Rich Wilkerson Jr. continues our collection of talks, I Hate You But It's Killing Me, in this message, Losing Count. Forgiveness is not about keeping score, it's about learning to lose count. For more resources, visit vuchurch.com slash heal. Now let's lean into the message together. We are in part three of a collection of talks entitled, I hate you, but it's killing me. I hate you, but it's killing me. And we're talking about uprooting the bitterness in life. We're talking about laying down the offenses. We're talking about releasing forgiveness in a radical way and finding the healing that we're so desperately looking for. Matthew chapter 18 Uh, Week one, I preached from Matthew 18, but I didn't give you the opening context to the parable that Jesus taught. I thought on week three, I'd come back to the top of Matthew 18 and give it to you. Just two little verses, but I think it's a great setup. Matthew 18, verse 21, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Yo, Jesus, how many times I gotta forgive folks. Up to seven times, question mark. And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Uh, I wanna preach today part three uh, from the subject, losing count. Losing count. Would you pray with me, Lord? We thank you for your word. God, we thank you that it's working in our lives. We thank you that it's active in our lives. God, we thank you that today, Lord, you are here as we gather and worship your name. Your presence is thick in the house today. It's not a cool atmosphere. It's the presence of a living God. So Lord, we open ourselves up to you. We quiet our soul. We quiet our spirit. Lord, let your word manifest in our heart and may fruit come out of it. We love you, Jesus. And in Jesus' mighty name, all of God's people said? All of God's people said? Come on, if you love Jesus, every location, go ahead and make a little bit of noise all over the house. Um, I don't know, some, not too long ago, some time ago, I, w- I, was, I was speaking at this little kind of meeting, this small meeting uh, with this room, and... Um, I was sort of charging the room and talking about a lot of different things. I was really burying my heart. I was like burying my soul. And I was saying some challenging stuff, no doubt about it. But it was a closed-knit room. It wasn't a public meeting. It wasn't streaming to the masses. Um, I was just challenging the room. And while I was really, I thought, being kind of vulnerable and challenging it, this person, maybe in the fifth or sixth row, got up and then walked out of the meeting. And, And as soon as they got up and walked out of the meeting... I immediately, even though I was still teaching and communicating, I immediately uh, began to talk to myself saying, oh, I really just hurt this person. Oh, I really just offended this person. Oh, I really just made this person upset. And I I, I wrapped the session up and I I talked to the host after the meeting. I said, hey, you're gonna need to follow up on that person because that person got up out of the meeting and I just know, I just know that they're offended with me. And I just wanna let you know right now, you gotta make sure that when I'm teaching this kind of stuff that you, you're careful with the room because I'm teaching some hard stuff up here and I gotta make sure the people in the room are mature enough to be able to hear what I'm talking about. And so I was really, really kind of, you know, getting ramped up and really kind of getting scared and really kind of working myself up. I said, just follow up with the person, make sure that they're okay. 
They ended up calling the person and uh, discovered that that person was not upset at all, was loving the meeting. In fact, wanted to go to the meeting so badly that they had gotten permission by one of the other hosts. Can I come for half of it? I'm going to miss work if I don't leave in the middle of it. I don't want to be offensive to anybody, but I want to make sure that I tell you up front, I, I so want to hear what Pastor Rich has to say, but I will be leaving mid-talk. I can't wait to hear the rest of it. They told me, I said, okay, okay, that's okay, that's okay, that's okay, that's okay, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good. Great job on selecting the right people in the room. Great job, great job. And instantly, immediately, I was reminded of the truth that all of us have been confronted with, is that we don't see things for the way that they are, we see things the way that we are. Has it ever happened to you, you just completely misread the moment? Like you just, oh man, like you just knew what the intention or the motivation of that person was. You just knew what was going on inside of that person. But in reality, when you figured out the facts, you discovered you were completely wrong. It's because we're, we're, we're all looking at life through a filter. And last week I talked about this idea that offense is offense. And whenever you're living life with an offense, understand that your vision of life the lens of life is skewed. It's not 2020 vision back here. It's blurred vision. There's fragments, there's issues, there's brokenness. Uh, it's linked up. I, I, I'm looking through a filter that is not giving me complete clarity. And when I start thinking about bitterness and when I start, th- start thinking about offense, many times bitterness erupts in our life, not because of the experience that we had, but rather because of the interpretation of the experience. This person I thought was offended at me and in thinking they were offended at me, I got offended at them. How dare you walk out of my teaching? How dare you step out? What is going on? If I'm not careful, I can allow a little offense, set root and create bitterness and skew my vision. See, all of us are seeing life, but we're not all seeing life the same way. We're seeing life through our experience. We can talk about a lot of things, but let's just talk about a handful that I quickly notice in people's lives, including myself. Whenever I come up on this stage, I'm never point, when I point at you, look at that, three fingers pointing at me. Uh, I, I, I deal with all the same stuff that you're dealing with, and we work through them together, and we bring it into the light. Uh, one of the filters that people kind of like see life is they see life through their past. And they just can't get out of the prison of the past. Some of you today, we're talking about forgiveness and the real forgiveness that you need to unleash is forgiveness for yourself. Some of you are are just terrible to yourselves. The way you talk to yourself, the way you treat yourself. If I'm really being honest, I've preached this so many different times, nobody has disappointed me more than me. How many times you say, I'm gonna lose 10 pounds only, only, only to gain 10 pounds? Man, I lie to myself. I, I, I'm mean to myself, I disappoint myself, and many times in doing all of that, it can lock me into the past of shame. It can lock me into the past of condemnation. And before you know it, I'm not seeing the bright future God has for me, I'm looking through the prison of my past. But it's not just your past, some of you, it's you're looking through life through pains. Pains, that, that real things have happened to you on the journey of life. We've been talking about this, that like, We go through things that we didn't cause, that are outside of our control, 
that traumatize us, that, that hurt us. I, I have a couple different friends who, who lost their fathers, that their fathers passed away in their early years, in their, in their adolescence. Man, a pain like that doesn't just leave your life. It begins to shape your life and you begin to see life many times through that hurt and through that pain. Some of us today, we can't control what's happened to us, but we must address what's happened to us in order to heal and make sure that we're looking through the right lens. Maybe it's not um, past, maybe it's not pains, maybe it's problems. A lot of people live life just looking through the filter of their problems. The only way you get a problem-free life, get ready, heaven. How many of y'all looking forward to heaven? Where's all the heaven people at right now? Yo, if you've had a hell of a week, when someone says, who's looking forward to heaven, you ought to make a lot of noise. Come on, how many of y'all looking forward to heaven? Oh. We just gave some permission to people to go, oh, I didn't even think about it that way. Yes, yes, I do want heaven. I do want it. Bring it on, bring it on. The only way you get a problem-free life is when you get to heaven. Problems. Every season comes with problems and potential. Growing, becoming, getting stronger. Yo, listen, new levels, new devils. New authority, new adversity. Bigger vision, bigger opposition. Every season of life is riddled with problems, challenges, looking for a solution. That's why I think it's really important that when we come to church and when we gather, we spend more time talking about the solution than we do the problem. We all got problems in this house. We all got things we're trying to solve. We all got issues that we're trying to break through. But let me tell you, for every problem, there is a solution, and he has a name. His name is Jesus Christ, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. When we come into God's house, man, I want to magnify the solution. That's why I love starting every gathering with worship. Because as I begin to worship, what I'm doing is I am magnifying the name of Jesus. Some of us in our prayer life, we spend all of our prayers telling God about our problems. But when you get a revelation that your God is bigger than your problems, come on, somebody. You start telling your problems all about your God. Come on, somebody. Where are you at today? Your God is bigger than your problem. That's why the psalmist David said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his holy name because whatever you're magnifying in life will get bigger. So it's not that I don't have problems. I just want to spend more time talking about the solution than I do my problem because it's not about the size of my faith today. It's about the size of my God. And my God is bigger than any mountain. My God is bigger than any trial. My God is bigger than any bit of opposition. I'm not gonna look at life through the filter of my problems. I'm gonna look at life through the filter of Jesus Christ. Can I get a witness at 10 a.m.? Somebody give God some praise today. Shake it off a little bit. Act like it's day 14. Act like you're expecting a breakthrough. Act like you know your God is still a solution finder, a solution maker. He makes a way where there is no way. I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to shout about that. I'm bringing that to God. Hey, problem, do you know my Jesus? Hey, problem, do you know my Savior? But many of us, we're all seeing something. We're just not seeing the same thing. Some of us today, everywhere we go in life, we're just seeing it 
through the problem, through the problem, through the problem. So we see things through our past. We see things through our problems. We, we certainly see things through our pain. Many times, the way that we're seeing things is through people. And this is where we have been parking at the last three weeks because there really is no pain quite like people pain. Like, like people pain is the hardest. No doubt about it. I think one of the greatest ways that God blesses you, this is why this collection is so important, because many of you are looking for a breakthrough or for a blessing, but usually, I'm talking about the most frequent way that God delivers blessing in your life is through other people. So people have the potential to be the greatest blessing in our life, but in the very same breath, people also have the greatest potential to bring the most damage in our life. So many of us, we're going through life and somebody hurt us, somebody dropped us, somebody let us down, somebody betrayed us, and it's skewing the way that we see things. What we've been saying is that if we don't address the hurt in our heart, unaddressed hurt will turn to hate. And why this matters is because if you don't fight the hate in your heart, guess what happens? You become like the person who hurt you. It's like the person who's fighting so hard to not be like their dad. All the while, they become like the one who created their dad. Because Jesus can be in your heart, but yo, grandpa, he's in your bones. There is a DNA that's being passed down that many times we think resistance is simply the way that we don't become like the adversary who attacked us. No, friends, it's opening up our heart and allowing God to heal it, to pull out the hurt so that we can heal. And as we are healed, we can be a blessing to those around us. Can I get a witness today if I'm preaching to anybody? I'm just trying to make this stuff very, very practical and I'm trying to unlock something. Today, somehow, the last couple weeks, I've become the prop guy. It's so funny because last week I was preaching on a fence and on Instagram they had put some clips up and this gentleman decided to come on the comments and he says, I can't believe you people. What did that prison cost you? You could have taken that money and you could have helped some families in need. Also, what's up with all the dramatic yelling? I'm like, homie, I'm preaching a message on a fence and you're offended. <laughs> oh my goodness. Come on, we're just trying to help some people today. Just trying to help some people today. But I think, I think one, of the, one, of the, one of the greatest reasons why we have such people pain and people problems is because we're, we're treating people and we're treating relationships with a scoreboard mentality. I'm gonna help some marriages today. <laughs> I'm gonna help some parents today. I, I brought a chalkboard up here today because um, there's very few things in life I hate like I do a chalkboard. <laughs> I hate chalk, I hate the sound of it, I hate the look of it. All it does for me is evoke memories of math. <laughs> Who hated math? Well, these are my people right here, I love you. All right, watch this. Where are all the math lovers at? Raise your hand. Sit. Oh my gosh. God bless their souls. 
I have a confession I've been waiting to make. I'm now 39 years of age, but just on the journey of life, I'm just gonna confess things along the way that you should know about. I cheated my entire way through geometry class. There it is. It took about 20 years, but I bring it to the light. There's healing in the, oh, I feel. I feel his forgiveness. Woo, okay, we could close service now. If I've been wanting to say that. I know a couple of you are gonna leave the church, but some of y'all, it resonates. We have this, this scoreboard mentality in relationships, and so let's just do it this way. It's kind of like this. My handwriting's bad too, dang it. So can you read that? Does that work? Does that show up? What does that say? Me. City, what does that say? Me. DD, what does that say? Me. Thank you, Somi, for all participating. <laughs> all right, so it's me. Watch this. This is how a lot of us view life. Me versus them. Right? You ever, you ever been here? It's me versus them. And let's just like think about it for a second. Because like, you ever notice that as you start the scoreboard, like you real good to you. <laughs> and you real hard on them. So let's just, let's just use me. You know, it's like, uh, I'm a great husband. Um, I mean, no, I mean, I seriously, like, you know, I just, I get up early. I cover my wife in prayer. I love our children. I provide, I'm, I'm a great husband. And um, it's amazing how I can always look at through the lens of our relationship, through my greatness and diminish Don Cherie's greatness. And so it's like silly stuff, you know? Like, we've been married for like, what, 17 years? I love it, man, 17 years. And, you know, for all these years, like, Don Cherie don't ever, she don't ever put gas in the car. <laughs> like, ever, 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 you know? So it's like, I get in the car and like, it's empty. So it's like, guess what I do? I'm like, yeah, yeah, boom, yeah. <laughs> Check mark, tally, you know. But like, you know, like, sometimes I don't put gas in the car and I don't know, someone, it's, it's, just, it's you know, how about this? She gave birth to three kids, you know? So it's like one, you know, like that's one. Like I didn't. Like, honestly, it's like this woman carried life in her body. I think the very least I could do is fill up the gas. But I don't see it that way. I don't see it that way. <laughs> I see it as five check marks against her, three kids, one against me, okay? Um, but we, we, we do this. Little things happen and people are late to the meeting. Oh, that's five right there. They're never late. You know, like, come on, like, I got caught in traffic, two. You know, like, okay. <laughs> That person, that person never says sorry. They won't say sorry to me. They won't say sorry to me. Most people tell me sorry is my middle name, all right? So I don't, I, I'm not Jesus, so you know, hello, you know. That person ghosted me. I took someone to lunch yesterday for church. I didn't take the whole church, but, but one person, you know, there we go. Just go through all the different scenarios of what we kind of walk through and how we just constantly give people check marks and tally marks and nope. Me, uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I could do better. Don't get me wrong, I could do better, but like, I'm a good guy. I'm a good guy. 
And what begins to happen is we start creating tallies. And as we're, I'm gonna tie my shoe because I'm gonna trip today. As we create these tallies over and over again, we have this scorecard. What's really, really dangerous about this is that whenever you begin to treat relationships with a transactional model or a transactional mental image, more than likely, you will take this same approach to your relationship with God. And some of y'all already live there. Like, some of y'all, the only reason why you came to church today is because you're just wanting to, you know, make sure that you get a check mark, you know, like, I'm not perfect, but I'm, I'm at church. And so I don't know what that does, but I'm hoping uh, it, it keeps me away from hell, okay? What is religion? Religion is treating God like a scoreboard. Hey, um, when I do bad, I owe God. Watch this. But when I do good, God owes me. Both are a lie. Listen, if good scorekeeping could have saved us, all we would have needed was Moses. Like if accounting could save us, Moses was the guy. The law was an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But we couldn't save ourselves. And the tally marks cannot actually be reduced to our life. Grace is more than tally marks. Moses couldn't get the job done. That's why God sent Jesus, that he would form a relationship with us, and he ushers in salvation through the act of forgiveness. Anybody grateful for a God who forgives? Me versus them. I always see the bad in them and I see the good in me. Bad in them, good in me. It, it brings me to uh, our opening question of where this collection began. It starts with Peter asking Jesus a question. Here's Peter, I love Peter. And Peter wants to know what a lot of us are not bold enough to ask. Because we're looking at our relationships, we're looking at our experience, we're going me versus them. And we got the tally cards, we got the scorecard. And we're kind of like, hey, Jesus, let me just ask you real quick, because like Rich has been preaching the last two weeks, and like he's really going there, and he's building sets, my God. How many times, how many times do I actually have to forgive people? And here's Peter. Peter's always like so ambitious, right? Peter's like seven times? Like it's seven times? And, and, and that number, it, it, it's important that we see it because the Talmud which is the Jewish law book, only required you to forgive three times. So Peter's like, yo, I'm gonna impress Jesus with this one. Seven times? <laughs> Anyone notice, like, I don't, I don't know if God likes math. I don't wanna, maybe that's not the way to say it. Like, well, how about this? How about his math is always funny? Have you noticed this? Um, one can put 1,000 to flight. Two can put 10,000 to flight. Can someone tell God that's not good math? You know, like 1,000, two, how'd we jump to 10,000? Uh, remember, um, 5,000 people hungry. What is Jesus like? Hey guys, what do we have? They're like, oh man, five loaves, two fish. He's like, bring them to me. No, 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 there's 5,000 people who are hungry, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, give me the five, give me the two. Do, do you understand how math works? That's not, that, that's, that's not enough. I don't know if he likes math. I, I know he likes numbers. We, we, he uses numbers. He's got a whole book called Numbers. 
In fact, to all the fellows out there that are single, hey girl, I was reading the book of Numbers yesterday. Notice that I didn't have yours. What's up? What's up? What's up? Let me get them digits. Don't, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. I don't know, I don't know or always understand Jesus' math. I know he likes to use numbers. Here's Peter, like us, trying to impress God. Let me impress God because then God will owe me. Talmud tells me three times, I'm gonna hit Jesus with seven times, watch this. But here comes Jesus with funny math. He's like, no, not seven times, but seven times 70. Oh, oh, okay. But watch all the scorecard people. Okay, so real quick, is that 77 times is what you're saying? 70, I, have to, I have to, okay, 77 marks. No, 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 you, you missed it. It's not 77 times. Oh, it's seven times 70. I didn't do good. I cheated through geometry. I cheated, okay, wait, 400, 400, okay, I got it. 490 times, that's how many times I gotta forgive. Nah, nah, you missed it as well. You're still using the same filter. You're still looking through the same lens. Jesus is using hyperbole. Seven is the number of completion in the Bible. Jesus is making an obvious expression of saying to you, if you're still counting, you're not forgiving. Because forgiveness is not about keeping score. Forgiveness is learning to lose count. Learning to lose count. Imagine Peter, Peter's like, I, I identify with Peter. I don't know who you identify. People identify with all sorts of funny stuff these days. Um, but I see a lot of me in Peter. Peter, you know, he's always putting his foot in his mouth. He's always like, yeah, he's like, he's, he, he doesn't think good. He acts quick. Remember he chops the dude's ear off like, did you listen to any of his teaching the last three years, man? They're coming to capture Jesus, and he's like, he pulls out a sword and chops a man's ear off. Jesus is like, hold up, bro. Takes the dude's ear and heals him. Like, Peter. One time, Jesus is describing that he has to go to the cross. This is like his whole mission. Here's Peter, like, trying to impress him. No, no, Jesus. That ain't ever gonna happen to you. Do you know what Jesus says to him? Matthew 16. Get thee behind me, Satan. That's a bad day. When Jesus looks at you and calls you Satan. I'm gonna preach a message sometimes, you know. Are you a servant or Satan? Oh my God, you know. Peter so wants to impress and he so thinks that he's doing the right thing, but in all of it, he's missing it. He's still looking through the wrong lens. He's still viewing his relationships with people with a scorecard mentality. He's still looking at the law. He's still thinking an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, and he completely misses why Jesus is there. To Peter's question, Jesus says, you gotta, you gotta forgive 70 times seven. You just, if, if, you're, if you're keeping score, you're doing it wrong. You gotta learn how to lose count. And then he goes on to share a parable. 
We talked about that parable week one. It's the parable of the unmerciful servant. Jesus will do this a lot of times. He'll use parables or stories to help open up our eyes. And what's the whole point of the parable? The whole point of the parable is that there is a king who forgives a man of a massive debt. And as he's been forgiven of that debt, as soon as he gets his forgiveness, he walks out of the room and then he goes and finds a man who owes him something and he collects on that debt. And what does Jesus do? Jesus says the king goes and finds the man and throws him into a prison. Because if you live life with unforgiveness in your heart, you cannot expect God to forgive you. This has ever happened to you before? Like the other day I was driving and um, I'm patient, man of God. And so I got in the turn lane and I waited in traffic in the turn lane. But you know those folks, some of you are them. You know, some of y'all, you know, like, you're more busy than the rest of us. Ah." I do it sometimes too. They they, they came up and they came over to me and they got right next to me in their car and then they looked at me with puppy dog eyes like. (laughs) I was like, yeah, bless you, brother. Come on, you know, come on. Yeah. Let this guy cut me. I've been waiting. Let him cut me. Grace, mercy. But then the funniest thing happened. Another car came. (laughs) It tried to get in front of him. He's like, nah, nah, nah. (laughs) But somehow when the light turned green, he was so angry telling him no, the guy stepped on the gas and got in front of him. This guy hits his horn, doesn't do spirit fingers, does another finger. And when I witnessed this on the inside of me, I got so angry. I'm like, dude. I just let you in. If I let you in, you gotta let somebody else in. How many times is God looking at you and I going, bro, I forgave you. If I forgave you, you gotta forgive them. I let you in, you gotta let them in. And so there's this Old Testament story. David, another guy I identify with. who is dominating and he's at the height of his career. He's the king, he's conquered Goliath and he's winning many victorious battles. But the scripture says in the springtime when the men go off to war, David stayed back. And as he goes out onto his balcony one day, he sees a woman by the name of Bathsheba and she is bathing naked. It's not his wife, but he looks upon her and lust begins to take place in his heart. And he wants her so bad and because he's the king, He calls for her. He sleeps with this woman. She becomes pregnant. He finds out that this woman is married to a commander in his army. He has that commander in the army sent to the front of the lines because he knew at the front of the lines the man would be killed and his sin would be hidden. He does this evil thing, this sinful thing, and he's living life as if it's all okay. But God sees what we try to hide. God knows the real you. God knows the things that you've thought, the things that you've said, the things that you've done. And God sends a prophet. The prophet's name is Nathan. And Nathan comes with a word to David. And Nathan's word to David reminds me of Jesus's word in Matthew chapter 18. Because when the prophet comes to confront David, watch how he convicts David of his sin. It's not by pointing it out in David, 
It's by showcasing it in someone else. Second Samuel chapter 12, the Lord sent David, Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had brought. He raised it and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. Look at verse five. David burned with anger against the man. And said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for the lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then David said, then Nathan said to David, you are the man. You are the man. We have no problem seeing the justice that should be administered for them. David knew if he showed the sin in someone else, it would elicit the proper response in David himself. Rather than point it out in David, David would be blind. And so he points it out in someone else, and when David sees it in someone else, it's crystal clear. This man deserves death. This man should have to pay back four times the amount. We're so good at seeing the truth in them. We're so good at keeping score on them. Many times I'm blind to me. Mercy for me, justice for them. Mercy for me, God, but, but, but justice for them. Many of us are, are, are going through life and we're, we're, we're keeping score and all the while you are giving yourself reason and you're building up a report as to why you cannot forgive. And it's because you're looking at life through a scorecard, through a scoreboard and you've got tallies and you've told yourself over and over again why your situation's different, why your circumstance is different, how deep the hurt was, how deep the wound was. And over and over and over again, you keep focusing on me, 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 me. Can I be honest with you? There is a great challenge in the body of Christ today. It is the disease called me. Me. Me, it's about me. What happened to me? What they did to me. Me, 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 me. But here comes the prophet. And all he has to do is use somebody else's story and David's eyes are open because we're good at seeing the sin in others and we're bad at seeing the sin in me. The truth of the matter is, if we're going to be really, really honest, my unforgiveness has nothing to do with them. My unforgiveness has to do with me. It, it, it's me who's holding it up. It's me who's holding it up. The reason why I'm unforgiving is because I do not recognize I am the man. I am the man. He just turns the mirror on David. We're living life going, it's, it's me versus them. It's me versus them. And what Nathan does is says, no, it's not me versus them. Check this out. It's, it, it's simply, simply this. It's, 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 it's me versus me. It's me looking back at me. 
It's me misunderstanding that I need the forgiveness. It's it's me that needs God's forgiveness. It's it's me that needs God's mercy. It's me that has tally marks. I've sinned. I don't know about you, but I've repented a whole lot more times than 490 times. I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful God ain't up there keeping score like Santa Claus. He ain't Santa Claus, yo. He's a good, gracious father who forgives you and cancels the score. I don't know about you, I'm grateful that he's forgotten more sins than I could ever confess. He's forgotten more things than I could ever remember. As far as the east is to the west, Micah says, your sins are forgotten. They're on the bottom of the ocean floor. Is there anybody in the house happy today that your sins are on the bottom? the ocean floor. Some of you are never going to get past people pain with a lens that says it's me versus them. No friend, you are the man. You are the man. You are the sinner. You hurt God. You put God on a cross. You me, not them, me. And if I keep looking at this tally score, I'm never gonna forgive because the score is always gonna come back with me as the one who gets the mercy and they're the ones who need the justice. I gotta make it me versus me. It's me versus me. If I hold on to this unforgiveness, it's gonna hurt me. It's gonna turn to hate. And if I have hate in my heart, I will become like the ones who hurt me. Listen, you cannot express what you have not experienced. I'm not a psychologist, I'm a preacher. I don't diminish psychology, I don't look down on therapy, those things are important. But my role in this whole thing is heralding the truth. That many of you, the reason why you can't express forgiveness because you don't realize that you're the one on trial. You're not the judge. I am the man, David, you, you are. That man I'm talking about, that's you, David. This is what you did. And what does David do? He repents. I need forgiveness. This whole, um, this whole scorecard thing, this ain't working. This, is, this isn't working in your marriage. This isn't working with your kids. This isn't working with your coworkers. This isn't working with your friends. This isn't working with your neighbors. This ain't working with people online. This ain't working with people that you disagree with. This isn't working with people that you think are evil and sinful, that don't think like you. It's not working. So guess what God does? God puts a big X right through this. That's what he says to that. This thing doesn't work. This is how the world thinks, but friends, if you're going to Voo Church and you come on this journey long enough, we're gonna invite you into a relationship of following Jesus. This is not a self-help message. This is, yo, I'm a sinner. I'm the man. I'm full of sin. If God's gonna judge me based upon tally marks, I'm in trouble. I need mercy. God says, I'll let you in because you've recognized it. And now that you've experienced my mercy, you gotta go and show mercy. I don't care if they apologize. I don't care 
if they actually ever really understand how they hurt you. I'm gonna preach in a couple weeks. I love you, but I don't trust you. Because I believe in boundaries. I'm talking about what's in your heart. I'm talking about what's coming out of your mouth. I'm talking about the things you're saying. I'm talking about the things that's putting you in a prison. You gotta let that thing go. I love the X because the Romans, when they crucified people, they had four different types of crosses and their favorite cross was the X-shaped cross. Look at what Colossians says. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your, of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins and having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross and having disarmed the powers and authorities, watch this, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. See, tally marks don't work. The only tally mark that matters in God's kingdom is you just need two. the cross of Jesus Christ. And when I stare at the cross of Christ, my petty pride is pulverized. My self-esteem is evaporated and I get a new lens in which I see the world. I'm not seeing the world through my offense. I'm not seeing the world through my bitterness. I'm not seeing the world through my past, through my pains, through my problems. I'm not even seeing the world through the people who hurt me, but rather as a follower of Jesus, I'm learning today to lose count. I'm focused on being a person of forgiveness. And the only way I can forgive is when I look through the lens of the cross. The only tally marks that I'm focused on are two. It was Jesus' blood that washes me clean. He's forgiven me many more times than 490. And because he's forgiven me, I now choose to forgive others. You can't keep score. You can't keep score. You gotta lose count today. Forgiveness is the lens that helps you see the beauty that's all around you instead of solely focusing on the misery in front of you. I hate you, but it's killing me. So I'm making a decision today, I'm losing count. How you do that? I do that because I recognize I am the man. It was my sin that put Jesus on that cross. And I don't want God to deal with me transactionally. Oh, sweet Jesus. God, don't give me justice. God, give me mercy. God, give me grace. God, wash me clean. God, forgive me, strengthen me. Forgiveness is not about keeping score. It's learning to lose count. It's learning to lose count. If you believe it today at all of our locations, would you go ahead and give the Lord a big round of applause? Thank you for listening to today's message. At VU, we believe we weren't meant to do life alone. We've been created with a unique purpose and designed to live in relationship with Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life to Him, we want to create an opportunity for you to do so today. If you want to say yes to Jesus, 
Would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I trust you with my past. I ask that you guide me in my present, and I even place my future in your hands. I'm yours, Lord, now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made the decision to follow Jesus today, we want to partner with you in the next steps on your faith journey. Go to voochurch.com slash online. We love you.